Well, again, uh, good morning to those of you in the worship center as we just commissioned uh, our Nemo team both here and in that room. We joined together for the preaching of the word this morning. Those of you who are online, it is so good to have you with us as well. Maybe you weren't able to make it to church this morning or maybe you're just uh, viewing, you're just checking in. And so we're grateful for you as well. We gather together for our worship time to encounter God, but we also gather together to dive into the word and see how the word can change us. And we're starting a brand new series called The Kingdom Way, a series in the Gospel of Luke as we move through today all the way to Easter Sunday, Resurrection Sunday, through this incredible gospel. And I've looked forward to sharing this with you as I've been in the word, in the Gospel of Luke, and I can't wait for us to explore together God's new way, God's kingdom way, which was inaugurated in Luke chapter 4. So go ahead and turn there if you have a copy of the scriptures. If you don't have a copy of the word of God, you can go ahead and turn on your digital device. In that room, the other room, there's a copy of the word in front of you. In this room, if you need a hard copy, and occasionally someone is looking for one, if you just raise your hand, deacons, if you could just take a look and make sure nobody needs that, that's our gift to you if you uh, need that copy of the scriptures. Luke chapter 4, if you're new to Bible study, it's the third gospel, Matthew, Mark, and Luke. So if you can find the beginning of the New Testament, this is the third biography of Jesus. And what we're going to look at today is the inaugural sermon of Jesus. You know, this coming Friday, something will happen in Washington, D.C. It sends a powerful, powerful signal to the world. Whether you're a Republican, a Democrat, an Independent, no matter who you are, what happens in Washington, D.C. when the President of the United States stands down and hands over the office to another man or maybe another woman one day, and at 12 o'clock, as mandated by the Constitution, 12 o'clock on January 20th, power is transferred over to somebody else. This is an absolutely wonderful signal to our nation, to the rest of the world, a wonderful form of government which simply says someone else is going to step into this office and now lead. And along with that, maybe you've been keeping up with the news, along with that, with this new officer, if you will, comes new ideas and new agencies and new agency heads, rather, and new initiatives and new plans and new policies, new thoughts about what should happen. And, and what we have is someone just simply not stepping into office and saying, okay, I'm here I'm ready to do that, but we have someone who says, here is the new direction in which we're headed. Here is, here is the new way that we are going to follow from this point forward. And in that inaugural address, you'll hear some of that perhaps, where someone will say, this is why the people elected me, and so therefore this is the new way in which we're going to go, Right? Now, interestingly enough, the only, the only thing that is required by the Constitution in order for this to take place is just simply the oath of office. Everything else that you see, the big ceremony out on the west front of the Capitol and the luncheon that happens there in the rotunda and the parade that goes down Pennsylvania Avenue and all of the uh, inaugural balls that are sanctioned by the uh, inauguration committee and all the other balls and events that take place apart from the inauguration. I mean, it is this absolute extravaganza, if you will, of this new way. 
It cost, by the way, I read this. It, it cost, by the way, almost 200 million dollars for them to pull this off. And the only thing the guy has to do is simply take the oath of office. What do you think about that? And, and so they raise money privately for a lot of it, but guess who fits, foots the bill for a lot of it? Yeah, you and me, right? And so this new way is established, this new direction when the president steps into office. And here's what we see in Luke chapter 4 when Jesus comes and he steps into a new role, a new office, if you will, and he gives what Luke considers his inaugural address, which says, this is the mission. I have come for this particular purpose. And we would do well to hear Jesus' inaugural address at the beginning of the Gospel of Luke because what he says sets the trajectory of everything else. What he says about what he has come to do transfers over to who we are and what we are called to do. So our mission statement flows right out of Jesus's heart to see people reached and disciples made all over the world. And so here is where we join together and we listen to Jesus as he speaks and we follow that mission. We want to learn about that kingdom, just some principles about the kingdom today. My heart for what can take place here in 2017 as far as reaching people and then a warning at the very end and then we'll head home. Luke chapter 4 verse 16. If you have your Bibles, this is something we've done in the past and I always love to do it. I think it's the right time to begin again. Will you please stand in honor and in respect and reverence for the Word of God this morning. This is the Word of God that has been given to us by the Holy Spirit. Take yourself to this synagogue, to this worship service, and listen. Here is what it says. And he came to Nazareth, where he had been brought up. And as was his custom, he went to the synagogue on the Sabbath day. And he, Jesus, stood up to read, and the scroll of the prophet Isaiah was given to him. He unrolled the scroll, and he found the place where it was written. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim liberty to the captives. And recovery of sight to the blind. To set at liberty those who are oppressed. To proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. And he rolled up the scroll and gave it back to the attendant. And he sat down. And the eyes of all in the synagogue were fixed on him. And he began to say to them, Today, this scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing. You may be seated. May the Lord bless the reading of his word this morning and the preaching of his word. And here's what we understand from this word as Jesus steps into this scene. 
And that is Jesus is in a worship service. It was his custom to go to the synagogue. The synagogue was um, not, don't confuse the synagogue with the temple. There's one temple in Jerusalem. This is up in Galilee, a city, a pretty large city called Nazareth. This is where Jesus was brought up. This is his hometown. And this is where he lived in obscurity from the scriptures from the time he was 12 years old. And we hear about him in Jerusalem to the time roughly he was about 30. We, we don't hear much about him. He lives kind of behind the pages of scripture and then he comes out for his ministry. He's led by the Holy Spirit to be baptized by John. We see that in Luke as well. He comes up out of the water. The father says, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. And he sends him out to ministry. But before he gets to ministry, he goes in the wilderness. He goes there to be tested and to be tempted. A wonderful reminder. If you're about to launch and to step into something brand new, God has designed, be, be ready for the growth and the suffering and the testing that take place prior to that. For 40 days, he didn't eat, and it says he was incredibly hungry, and he was tested by the evil one. But in the power of the Spirit, he, he resisted that, and then he began to teach, and he began to preach. And it says in Luke chapter 4, he's led by the Spirit up into Galilee. And his ministry begins to take off. So this isn't the very first, the words we, read, we just read weren't the very first words or that Jesus preached in a synagogue, but Luke thinks them incredibly important to set them right at the beginning of his understanding of Jesus' ministry. And so he says, this is the inaugural. If you want to know what Jesus says as he comes to this place of worship, here it is. This is what he's after. This is the new way he's about to introduce. So he's in the synagogue. He's in a place of worship. The temple's in Jerusalem, as I said. The synagogues are in cities and villages spread throughout uh, Judea there, throughout Galilee, throughout the region. If Jews spread out around the world, if there were ten families, they would call for a synagogue to be in place. And Jesus, as was his custom, a wonderful reminder for us at the beginning of 2017, his custom was to be in the house, the place of worship. Now here's what they do. They sing a song. And then they uh, recite the uh, Shema, which is the, the call of Israel that they would all know. And then they would pray. They would have the prayers recited. And then the attendant would take the scrolls. They would be, they'd be bound up in a box. He'd pull the scroll out. And he would come to someone and he would say, you read it. And as Jesus has been teaching and preaching, and maybe they kind of recognized him from Nazareth a little bit. But now um, this carpenter's son Jesus is, has been doing something out there somewhere. Now he comes into worship. And so they hand him a scroll. And when you would read from the scroll, as you and I did, you would stand up for the, for the scripture reading, the, the, the one reading the scroll. So he's holding it and he, he finds his place there in Isaiah and he reads it. And then he, he sets it and he scrolls it back up and he gives it to the attendant, puts it in the box. And then what they would do after they read the law, they would read the prophets. Then the speaker, the, the, the preacher for the day, if you will, would not stand, but he would sit and he would teach. And he would, in essence, say, this is what you've just heard from the word of God. So as Jesus says these incredible words, here's what he does. Thought number one, he reveals what the kingdom 
is like the revelation of the kingdom. He says the kingdom is here. And he says, he says, in essence, as he goes to the, to the book of Isaiah, he points to a couple of things. One, that the spirit of the Lord is upon him. And two, by implication, he's simply saying this. God's plan is being fulfilled. God's plan for, for thousands of years has been unfolding. And on this day, the kingdom has been revealed in a brand new way. And the plan of the Father from the very begin, beginning was to, was to allow history to unfold and to move history in such a way where he's working towards and moving towards, patiently looking toward this day when Jesus would come and reveal the kingdom in full. This past week in my discipleship group, it's a group of guys that, that are meeting every single week. You'll hear me talk about my discipleship group over, over the course of this year. And I love being with them already. We've been together two times. And this week, one of our readings was from Genesis chapter 12, which follows up on Noah and the flood and God condemning the world. And then a new civilization springs up and these men gather together and they say, let's build this tower, Genesis chapter 11. Let's build this tower up and make a name for ourselves so that we can be great and we can do anything and God looks down on that and says no 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 that, that's stealing my glory humans can't have my glory and in your heart and in your sin that, that that's going to go nowhere so he comes down and he confuses their languages and spreads them all over the world and there's new languages and there's new people groups formed all over the world and that's when God steps into Genesis 12 and says to one man who by faith steps out and leaves where he is and becomes the father of the nation of Israel. And it says in Genesis chapter 12, verse 3, that from you all families of the earth will be blessed, Abraham. That was given thousands of years before Jesus. 2,000 years prior to this day and 700 years, Jesus looks at the prophet Isaiah and the prophet Isaiah is saying, this day is coming, this day is coming. And Jesus steps in on this day. You don't miss this. And he says the kingdom is now here. That is pretty audacious for this guy who's a carpenter's son. The kingdom is now here. The plan of the Father. The power of the Holy Spirit. You cannot look at Jesus. You cannot look at this gospel. Folks, as we walk together through this, you cannot look at this gospel without the Holy Spirit being evident and present on Jesus. It's there at his conception. Mary, what's going to happen to you is by the power of the Holy Spirit. Jesus, time to be baptized. He's led by the Spirit to be baptized and the Holy Spirit comes upon him in the form of a dove. Holy Spirit says, Jesus, it's now time to be tested, but I'll be with you and walking with you. The Holy Spirit says, Jesus, go up into Galilee now. The, the mission begins. And when Jesus stands up, he reads from Isaiah, and he says, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me and has anointed me to do this ministry. Listen, as you enter into 2017, take this combination with you. The plan of the Father. He's put you in a new place. He's put you in a hard place. He's put you in an uncertain place as his plan unfolds. But stay true to the plan in the power of the Holy Spirit. And like the Son, submit to that plan. Walk in that plan. Give yourself fully to that. This is the nature of the kingdom. He doesn't come in great power with armies. He comes in the power of the Spirit of God.
submissive to his father. Now here's the second thing about the kingdom. Look at it. Luke chapter 4. Just not its structure. The spirit, the father, and the submission of the son that we see here. But here's what the kingdom is all about. Verse 18. He has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. To, to proclaim freedom, liberty to the imprisoned, and recovery of sight to those who are blind, to free those who are under great oppression, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. That last phrase is a reference to what would be an Old Testament tradition that those who were in debt every seventh year you be freed. You be freed. And as you hear those words, here is a revelation of the kingdom. And this is good to remind us of that because here's what happens in our hearts and minds. We think of the kingdom as a church. We think of the kingdom as things, things that we do at a church. We think of the kingdom in lots of different ways and lots of different activities and lots of different, different things associated with the kingdom. But here is what the kingdom is. It is the march of the gospel from people who've experienced the gospel for themselves and who carry it to those who need it. That's what the kingdom is. Jesus says, it's come. I want you to look at those words. Poor and imprisoned and you can't see and you're so oppressed and you're locked into your debt and all of these things. Yes, as we go through the Gospel of Luke, here's what you'll see. You'll see a physical manifestation of things. You'll, you'll see the poor and you'll see those who are blind, who can't see. And you'll see those who are possessed by demons. We'll, we'll see all of these things that Jesus comes to set them free physically. But Luke makes it very, very clear throughout his Gospel that what Jesus is saying here is that this is a spiritual condition. This is the condition of our hearts before God. This is the spiritual condition of you and me as we are separated from God. This is our spiritual condition left in our sin. This is our spiritual condition of poverty and brokenness and being bruised and being battered. And what I want you to see is the kingdom has come. But before we even talk about the extent of the kingdom, do you recognize this kingdom work in you? Do you recognize where you were? Do you see yourself in these words? With a condition that is broken. With a condition that is bruised and battered. Do you see yourself as spiritually oppressed? Do you see yourself as hopelessly blind? And Jesus says, I've come. I have come. That with the good news. And with my life. And with what I say. And with what I do. You can be free. You can be released. You can be free from your guilt and from your sin and from your shame. You can be through repentance of your sin. You can have that sin lifted. You can be restored to the Father. You can be released from your sin on one hand, but then you can be brought into restoration with God the Father because ever since the Garden of Eden, all the way back in the beginning, Genesis chapter 1, ever since Adam and Eve sinned against God, Adam's sin becomes my sin. And therefore, I'm hopelessly lost. I'm trapped. I'm caught. I'm oppressed. I'm blind. I'm hopeless. Because of that, there's nowhere to go. 
But because Christ has come, I can now be free. Is that your story? Is, 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 that, is that what's happened to you? Is that how God has released you? Is, God, is that how God has freed you? Is that, is that your heart? Maybe today, maybe today, I heard Scott say it here, maybe today you are far from God. Maybe this is the cry of your heart. I need this. I need to be freed. There's good news for you in Christ, in the kingdom. And understand this. Here's the second thought this morning. The reach of the kingdom. Read with me. Verse 22. Watch this. Watch this. When Jesus says this, he sits down and he, he says, all the scripture is now fulfilled. I think he said more than simply that one sentence. But then, all spoke well, verse 22, all spoke well of him and marveled at the gracious words that were coming from his mouth. And they said, is not this Joseph's son? In other words, they're taken aback by just how powerful, just how authoritative he is. That they love this talk of the kingdom and, and now this has come. And so in their mind, they, they might be thinking, they might be hearing, hey, it's a new day around here. Rome's going to be vanquished. The Gentile's going to be banished. The glory of David and Solomon. Israel's going to be great again. All of those things. This is the day. And they're, they're hearing with their words, but they're not listening. Hearing with their ears, but they're not listening with their hearts. They like the words that are coming out, but they don't fully understand the heart of Jesus here. And he knows it. And he knows their hearts. Now watch what he says. So he says to them, Doubtless you will quote to me this proverb, Physician, heal yourself. What we have heard that you did at Capernaum, do here in your hometown as well. So in other words, um, I know what you're thinking. And you want me to demonstrate that if the kingdom of God is really, really here, if the presence of God is really upon me, like I say it is, I'm going to do miracles in front of you and that my power is going to be demonstrated just as it was over in Capernaum, just down the road. I, I know what you're thinking. But he probes a little bit deeper. And he said, Truly I say to you, no prophet is acceptable in his hometown. In other words, the prophet's going to be rejected. Just like the prophets of old were rejected. But in truth, I tell you, he's going to give us two stories real quickly. Two stories. Story number one, there were many widows in Israel in the days of Elijah when the heavens were shut up three years and six months and a great famine came over all the land. Story number two. I'm sorry. And Elijah was sent to none of them, but only to Zarephath in the land of Sidon to a woman who was a widow. All right. So story number one, the story of Elijah who goes to a widow in the middle of a famine, three and a half years. She's about to die. Understand this. She is a Gentile. She is a woman. She is a widow who is poor. All of those things in the eyes of the Jews were things to consider her outcast and no good for nothing. She is the poor. She's the captive. She is the oppressed in this story here. And Elijah was sent to her. All right, story number two. Elisha. There were many lepers in Israel in the time of the prophet Elisha. And none of them was cleansed, but only Naaman the Syrian. 
Naaman was a Syrian general. So not only is this widow someone who is an outcast, but this general is someone who would be hated. He would be despised. He's a Gentile commander of a nation who would oppress the people of Israel. He would be someone who would be outcast, someone not, not worthy of the grace of God. He'd be someone who, who didn't live up to, to what it meant to receive God's grace. He was totally outside. And here's what Jesus says to them. Listen, here is the kingdom. The, the reach of the kingdom is this. It comes to those who are outcasts. It comes to those who are needy. And you like the words where it says it comes to the poor. You like the words where it says when it comes to the oppressed. But you really, really don't grasp what that means. And I'm going to tell you what it means. It means the reach of the kingdom is going to ex extend far beyond what you could ever, ever understand or imagine. Now look at the response here. This is unbelievable. When they heard these things, remember verse 22, grace and his words marveled. Isn't this Joseph's son? Look at this verse. When, when they heard these things, verse 28, all in the synagogue were filled with wrath and they rose up and drove him out of the town and brought him to the brow of the hill on which their own town was built so that they could throw him down the cliff. But passing through their midst, he went away. <laughs> no inaugural parade for this inaugural speaker. No sense of popularity, no sense of acclaim, no sense of elevating this inaugural speaker. Instead... They can turn in one sermon from, oh, listen to the gracious words that he speaks, to, oh, he needs to be killed because he has no idea what he's talking about when it comes to the kingdom of God. How do we get there? Two things and then we'll be done. Number one, the reach of the kingdom. Here's the reach. Jesus blows their circuits when he says, look, the kingdom of God is not just for you, it's for, for all people. The kingdom of God is just not for the religious, just not for those who are in the lane of, uh, uh, of, of Israel. You know, you, you call Abraham your father, you do all these things in the synagogue, you do, okay, those, those are good things, but you know what? The kingdom of God has come in for, yes, you, but it's come to extend beyond you. And let me just share with you just a couple of things. Let, let me try and put some feet to the text and to our mission. To our mission, which is to make disciples as we encounter God and worship, equip, equip you, equip you to engage the world in order to see this mission fulfilled. Let me give you just a couple of things in 2017 that we're awfully, awfully excited about, which spring up from what God is already doing here. I think, I believe, I know this is the heart of Taylor's here, but we want to flesh this out. We want to move this to another level of reaching people with this mission because this is our mission right here. Number one, number one is what God is doing among you here at Taylor's in the area of poverty, in the area of poverty. God has begun to spring up a group of people and a heart for responding to poverty with gospel-based actions. And I love to hear it. This community right outside our doors, there are people who are certainly in need. They're all over Greenville. I got it. But God has raised up this body to bless our Jerusalem. 
right outside these doors. And God is doing that in amazing ways as we partner with ministries. Wonderful, wonderful ministries that we partnered with for a long, long time. And we jump into new initiatives. Whether it's working in apartment complexes, whether it's with food ministries, whether it's using single mom's oil change to drive deeper, deeper into the lives, into the families of single moms. Whether it's our employment coaching or whether it's home repairs and homeless ministry, Miracle Hill Overcomers. Some of our men have a passion to involve themselves in men who have been addicted and men whose lives have been ravaged by sin. But yet by God's grace, they are, being sa- they are saved and are being rescued from that. And there is a sense and a heart for our people to move into this area. And I applaud that. So much so, we've noticed this, so much so that on February the 17th, here's what we're inviting you to. We're inviting you to experience the poverty simulations, which take place on a Friday evening. It's mark it on your calendar. Give yourself on a Friday evening to experience and to walk through what it means so that if God calls you to reach through this part of the kingdom, you'll be ready to go. Here's something else that I think is exciting. And that is this springs from our mission 127 foster care and adoption ministry and we want to reach orphans and we want to reach those foster care and adoptive parents and over the course of the last few months we've been approached by the Greenville Foster Parent Association who have come to us and through our relationships and by God's good grace they have said will you help us will you host on a monthly basis a time in which we will give training to those parents who need training. Now understand this, this includes bringing on to this campus in partnership with Greenville County. It, this involves bringing parents as well as their kids and we pray that God will bring those individuals who yes we can help train them in foster care but ultimately they see the love of the gospel here and some of you need to go. Some of you need to engage. Some of you this is your heart this type of partnership and you might be saying what do I do? You come see us. Come visit the reach desk right outside the worship center there and you begin to understand that beginning in January, Lord willing, we pray God does something incredible. Third, go on a reach trip. Go on a reach trip. You know, we didn't have our service last week. I hope you enjoyed sledding. I hope you enjoyed the snow. I hope you enjoyed the hot chocolate because it's seven degrees out there now, right? Hope you enjoyed it. We had to cancel our reach trip. We're praying. We're working. We're trying to reschedule that for the month of February. But a big part of that reach trip is to cast vision for our trips. We've extended the deadline of those trips. But some of you, God might be calling to the ends of the earth. Some of you might be calling to Boston. We have a trip coming up in March to Boston. We need people to Go ahead, engage with that. Give your life to say, you know what? The kingdom of God has come to me. I want it to extend through me as well. And here's what I love. Here's the fourth thing. It's our unreached people groups. Let let me bring you in. I want to bring you in this past week. I want, I want you to come into the conference room with me this past week and understand how the Holy Spirit is moving. Last a few months ago, Jeremy and I went on a trip over to, over to Europe and we began to pray and think, God, would you give us another people group? God, would you, along with those that are going, God, you have given us great people who have, by their initiative and by their faith and by their sacrifice, they've moved that forward. Can, can you do it again? And God, by his grace, has brought us to another people group that we've been praying over. And this past week, we brought into our conference room uh, 
two individuals, a couple whom God has already sent to that land previously and they've come back. But they're telling us of the networks of, of believers who are, are praying for this people group. And they're telling us of, of the networks and the tentacles of, of how to reach these individuals. Things we didn't even know. We're just sitting there going, God, you've gone before us already. Yes, yes, we will take the kingdom to the ends of the earth again. So beautiful. How about this? How about this? I love this thought that we've been praying about for months now, and that is adopting a major city, a worldwide city. That's all I can tell you right now. We're praying about it. We're praying about adopting a city where some of you can go through your business contacts. You as a businessman can give your life not to, to anything else but the kingdom first. You might be called to help us in a, in a new city, a new part. I don't know. I'm just sharing my heart. I'm just sharing what God could be doing. God might be calling some of you to go and to lead an initiative in another city. Hey, we'll send you out. We'll miss you. We'll cry when you leave. But we want, we want you to go to the, to the city if God does what we pray God will do. Amazing. Couldn't be more excited. Hey, here, here's something else we're praying. Pray about this, would you? My staff's going to kill me, but still pray about this. You ready? We are praying about how do we minister to people with special needs. God has created those people. God has created those precious people. And they need to be ministered to. And those moms and dads need to be ministered to. And I, I just put it before you to pray. How will God use you? And then here's the thing. Here's the thing. And this has been on my heart for many, many months now. And that is this. We are not seeing people come through the baptismal waters. We're not seeing people in... In the, in the baptismal, what do you call that thing here in the modern series? The baptismal, the baptismal whirlpool, right? We're not seeing, let's be honest, we're not seeing the gospel going forth from us to reach people who are out there, who are adults and coming in. We're seeing, we're seeing sprinklings of it. It's a beautiful thing when it happens. It's beautiful when it happens. Here's my vision. That, that God raises up students and men and women. And you know what? Here, here's what I'll do. If they come to faith in Jesus, because you share the gospel with them, because you pour your life into them, you know what I'd love to see? How's this for a vision? You in the pool with them. You, you bring them with you. And so that's why, listen, that's why on Wednesday nights... We, we, we have shaped and scaled down our Wednesday nights. And one of the things that we're offering is called conversational evangelism. We had 31 people, praise God, 31 people who came and said, we'll be equipped. We'll, we'll be equipped to share the gospel. Here, here, here's my heart. Here's my vision. Every single member of Taylor's First Baptist Church, dinner with the staff coming up. Another plug. Dinner with the staff. Here's what you're going to hear. My heart is for you to be equipped and confident to take the gospel with your mouth, not just to the ends of the earth, but to the end of your driveway. 
the end of your cubicle. What if, this is what I said the first hour, what if every individual in here was gripped by the kingdom, the kingdom that has come to free poor and blind and oppressed and broken and addicted people, this church would be flipped upside down. And it would be because the Holy Spirit takes the gospel through us. Oh, that's what I long for. Here's a to-do. You, you just come on Wednesday. You don't have to do it alone. Here, here, here's, the, here's, the, um, here's the struggle and the strain of all of us. We think we have to do this on our own. We get all tight and we get all, I can't do it. No, just give yourself. Remember the plan, the plan of the Father, the power of the Spirit, the Son submitting to them. You think the Son, you think the Son of God wasn't scared? You think the Son of God didn't struggle? You think the Son of God said, no, I can't. You can do this by the power of the Spirit and with one another. So you come. Simple Wednesday night. I'm in. I'm in. I, I want to see people come to faith in Jesus. Here's the final thing, and then we got to shut it down. The rejection of the kingdom. Now, he, here's the warning, all right? We have the revelation of the kingdom. We have the reach of the kingdom. I invite you all, come join us. Oh, it's your heart, Taylor's. Just trying to match the kingdom and the gospel with our heart to move us forward. And then the rejection of the kingdom. Here, here's, the, here's the warning. The Son of God will be rejected. He was on that day. I mean, those words. I mean, here's, I mean think of this. this God sending his, his very own Son. And they don't get it. And, and here's the warning. I, I don't believe in the story. I don't think any of you will go out to lunch and will say, the gospel is not meant for some people. I, I, I really don't believe you would say that. Now, if you do, if you say the, the gospel's not good enough for, for Mormons or the gospel's not good enough for those Muslims who kill us or the gospel's not good enough for gay people who screwed up our culture. If that's what you say, I fear for your soul. And, and here's the warning though. I, I, don't th I don't think you're going to say that, but here's the warning. That we say the kingdom of God. This is what they said. The kingdom of God. We've got it. We know what it's like. Here's the line. God send your Messiah to make us great. Send your Messiah to bless Israel and condemn and curse all the Gentiles. Condemn and curse them, those that aren't good enough on the, on the outside. But we got the kingdom here. And, and here's the warning to, to me, to your pastor, and to you. Make sure as we go through Luke... That the kingdom is able to break into a soft heart. Not confronts a heart which says, this is what the kingdom looks like. This is what it should be. And you don't allow the king to move you. And to change you. And to shape you. And as Jesus 
Can you imagine the scene? They they take Jesus and they bring him to the edge of a cliff. And and they're about to to kill him. (laughs) Uh, I I didn't know this, but if um, there were some Jewish rabbis and some Jewish traditions that taught when you would kill somebody for a capital offense, adultery or whatever it is, that you would take them and you'd throw them down. They would be half dead and then you would stone them. So here's the thinking. That Jesus is going to go to the edge of the cliff and, and they are going, he, he's, he's committed blasphemy by introducing this new kingdom. And they're about to take him and they're about to throw him off, off the cliff and then they're going to stone him. Some Jewish rabbis and teachers went a little bit further and they said once he's stoned to death, those witnesses who are responsible for that are to take him and they're to put him on a, on a cross and they're to hang him so that everyone will see the wrath and the anger of God. And don't you, don't you see, when Jesus announces the kingdom and he says, I'm leading the way, you, you come with me and, and the reach is going to go far beyond us. This is life worth living. But all the while, he's looking at the cross. That very first day, the shadow of the cross is there. And I don't know if he said this is it. I don't think he did because he knew he had a life to live. He just kind of slipped, verse 30, kind of just slips away. But he sees the cross and he sees your sin. And he sees my sin placed on himself. He, he gets a sense. This is what it's going to be like. This is the rejection they didn't like the hometown guys anyway. This is, this is the, they're not going to like me and Nazareth. This is the rejection. Here's the sin. Here's the guilt. Here's God's anger on me so that the father can look at the son and say, your sin is now on him and the righteousness of this Jesus, this king, now I put on you. I exchange, if you'll come, listen, this is what some of you need to do this morning. Listen, some of you have not done this. You have not exchanged your sin and you have not placed your sin on the one they were going to stone and hang on a cross. A foreshadowing of the cross. Take your sin and give it to him. And in return, he will give you righteousness. He will set you free. He will open your eyes. He will release you from prison. He will cause you no longer to be oppressed. Some of you this morning, this is the very good news. And this is why you're here. Exchange it. Give your life to Christ this morning. And for the rest of us, as we close, for the rest of us, know we're long. That is worthy. That gospel is worthy of everything we've got. Everything we have. That's the kingdom way. May God bless us and help us as we explore what this will mean in the weeks ahead. Let's pray together. Father, we love this gospel. Oh, God, I love just your incredible grace. Father, we pray that as we look to the one who was on that hill, not the hill of Nazareth, but the hill of Calvary, and his message was simple. I've come. I've come to release and to restore and to send that we would respond. Lord, would you work in your people? 
Would you stir in them a passion and a love for this kingdom to be expressed in a new, fresh way in 2017? Would you call forward right now, call forward those that their hearts are open and moved by this Christ? And we pray this prayer in his name, in Jesus' name. Amen and amen.